0: You know, if I could afford the licensing, we would do an intro of Run DMC's Christmas and Hollis, which is the planet's official song of Christmas. Realize that not all of you, dear listeners, celebrate Christmas. So happy everything, whatever it is that you might be celebrating, might be taking time. Enjoy your holidays. And maybe, just maybe, this last... Week in IndyCar listener Q&A episode before December 25th will bring some mirth, enjoyment. I don't know what it's going to do, but here it is. This is episode 1002 of My Stupid Podcast, and thank you for listening to it so far. Um, gotta say a huge thanks to all of you and the really, really cool, just everything that y'all do for my wife and I the really lovely notes that you send either publicly or privately. Uh, good Lord, had a uh, had a parcel or two show up from a dedicated group of listeners known as the Prue Day, uh, which I cannot begin to describe the generosity contained within it. I can tell you, uh, Daniel Summerskill, one of the members, uh, this Dragon's Milk Solera that I'm having right now, Oh, it is a mighty fine beer. So, yeah, thank you, y'all. I really love doing this every week. And if I'm being super extra honest, the community, that is part of what we do here. thats what I enjoy the most, right? That's the cool part. So thank you for making a community for me to be a part of. Um, We're going to do something different for next week's show. Going to mention this right up front before we get rolling It's not so much with your Q&A, so I'll get into that in just a sec, but we're going to do something different for next week's show, final show of the year, and that is going to be an awards show. That's right, Weekend IndyCar awards show. Half of them will be awards that I've made up, but I really would like it if the other half or more are awards that you make up. So here's what I'd love you to do. So... Send me uh, something on Twitter, on Facebook, on wherever. I need your entirely made-up, hopefully very silly, award categories. So, ideas of what I've scribbled down so far. The Golden Bowling Ball Award. The new car driver that hit more fellow drivers and walls than anyone else. Uh, The Mr. Invisible Award for the year. The driver who was at... The most races, not necessarily in most of the races, you have some normal ones too, kind of the comeback player of the year type thing who, who really showed us that they still had something. Uh, there's the inverses, right? Uh, The driver who showed us nothing when we thought they were going to show us something, maybe a breakout driver of the year, uh, most improved possibly, uh, let's see. Uh, virtual racer of the year, uh, I racing comment of the year, both positive and negative. Um, I mean, so again, entirely made up. And so what I'd love to do, what I'm going to do with the ones that I come up with, and we'll add in the ones that you come up with is compile them into a list. And so when I make the call for questions on Monday Next week, I'm going to include that list of give me your answers for all of these. So just need your help in the short term stockpiling, totally made up, hopefully somewhat ridiculous, maybe mildly aggressive <laughs> uh, award categories. And then when we do the show next week, I'm just going to ask you to send in your answers and why. And I'm hoping we have a lot of fun and hopefully we can make this a new year's tradition every year and who knows maybe the best made-up awards will carry over year to year and maybe we'll just keep adding new ones to them so that friends that's about it uh so what are we doing this week not really doing I wanted to get your thoughts about some of the best races worst races bests and worsts and other stuff so just general thoughts on the year a little bit different than the goal for next week, which is to make up actual awards and gimme good award names, you know? Uh whatever it is. Gimme some good stuff. And we're gonna hand those awards out to whomever wins them. And what do I mean by handout? I'm just gonna say it on the show and hope that they hear. And if they like it, then I don't know. Maybe I'll make a sticker that says they want it. And if they don't then, uh, yeah, maybe uh, we actually, those are the ones we'll definitely make uh, some stickers for and send to the people who really don't want them. So, all right, Uh, what are we doing to get started here? Well, where are we going first? We got a fair amount. I think it's going to be mostly me just reading your questions, but got to stop doing that. I'm so used to it. Uh, Your questions, ha, ha, ha. We do have a couple, Um, but then we're going to get into your thoughts on the year. So why don't we open up with Nicole, GTO girl, 1970. Uh, So we'll get the questions out of the way up front quickly. She asks, do you think Zach Veach will land on his feet with a team? What about Ryan Hunter Ray? Will something change for him? Well, on our man, Ryan Hunter Ray, we are just waiting for the announcement that he is headed back to Andretti Autosport number 28 Honda. So everything I've heard, only thing I've heard for a while, Nicole, is everything is basically good to go, just buttoning up final contractual items. Then, of course, there's also timing of the announcement, knowing that we have been getting pretty close to Christmas. The season doesn't start until May, March. May, good Lord. I'm not drunk. I really am not, but maybe I should drink more of this beautiful dragon's milk so I, when I say stupid things, I can blame it on something other than my own incompetence. Um, just waiting on this. Nicole for uh, RHR and yeah, uh, if I were him, I were them, I'd probably wait until early January to announce it as well. Just get into a, a brand new and fresh news cycle. Uh young Zach Veach. I am aware that he does not have a contract in place anywhere for next year, but did write about, he tested for the Vassar Sullivan Lexus GTD IMSA team a couple of weeks ago and if I had to put my money on where he would end up, I would think it might be there because I think that'd be a really good fit for him. So not saying it's a done deal, guaranteed deal, but Zach Veach to the, uh, and hey, Veach, Vassar, that might be something for someone to try and look up. How many drivers with the last name starts with the letter V have driven for somebody? whose last name starts with a V. This might be a first in the history of racing. It might not, but hey, it sounds like it might be to me. So yeah, I think, although one wouldn't necessarily be an IndyCar, Nicole, I think we're going to be pretty happy with some news coming down the pipeline for both and employed race car drivers. That makes me very, very happy. I'm going to take a sip of my beer. Uh, Let's see. Are there more questions? You know... Maybe not. Maybe there are hidden somewhere else that I've missed. But we've opened the show with a single question, and then we're going to get into your thoughts. Uh, I'm going to be your mouthpiece. The microphone is yours. And we're going to start off this lovely little journey with our pal, Kyle H.B. Donnelly. Kyle, I need you, by the way, to tell us what the H.B. stands for. Because when I think H.B., I think of Cosworth's, And 1994, I believe, 93, 4, 5 spec uh, Formula 1 V8s. So uh, tell me if you were maybe named after a Formula 1 engine. That'd be kind of cool. Kyle says, 2020 was a windy, thunderstorm-filled night with the warm, comfortable, familiar blanket of Scott Dixon being excellent and winning a championship at the end. The year-end, quote, thanks for being awesome awards, Needs to go to the AeroScreen team for their great product. Kara Adams team at Firestone for being given a radically different car and told make tires for this. But you can't use your factory or test them at any point. Uh, Great work to all. That is a wonderful, wonderful nod here, Kyle. And yeah, I like the uh, description there of the uh, stormy, but comfortable and warm for our pal Dixie. Some of you, by the way, in this rather free-form episode, some of you might have noticed that I posted on the good old social medias that the uh, charity project I've been mentioning for a little while posted a photo of the print uh, that we will be auctioning off here shortly on uh, at the Motorsport Collector's website. It's a 16 by 24 print of Dixie celebrating his sixth championship, uh, one where he led the entire way. My friend Andy Blackmore from Andy Blackmore Design put that together at my request. Uh, 25 of them have been signed by Dixie. Also, Dario Franchitti, Jimmy Johnson, Mike Hull, uh, Dixie's race engineer, Michael Cannon, Dixie's former race engineer, now kind of performance engineer overall, making the team faster guy, Chris Simmons, aka Pushy Loose. I don't know if I'm forgetting anyone else, but those will be going up for auction here pretty soon. All the proceeds, I think, are going to go to a pretty cool charity in Australia that Dixie has uh, highlighted where they help teens with cancer. Uh, Another thing, too, I should mention here. Why? Well, I'm terrible at my job. Uh, Big thanks to Cooper Tires and the Justice Brothers, both of whom will be back next year. Super awesome. And uh, that just triggered my thought here, Kyle, with your thanks for being awesome. They're awesome. And amazing thanks to them for supporting what we do here, genuinely making this possible. Without them, we don't have a podcast. And also our pals at torontomotorsports.com will be back next year. And also huge thanks to everything that we have done with Bell Racing Helmets USA. Uh, We're going to go to Todd Dostal. Hey, Todd. Says, after a stressful year, it was nice to have races. Says, got to both Iowa races and St. Pete for the first time. Was awesome being a diehard Scott Dixon fan and seeing title number six in person he says, thanks as always for keeping us fans informed and I hope you have a great holiday season. He says, I guess my question, uh, and I'll have to keep it about Scott. What's been up with this qualifying? It wasn't great. Most of the season, you know, I might put that down Todd to new engineer and driver combination and Yeah, uh, they sure seem to get things figured out by the race more often than not. But I might just suggest that with a year of experience that we might not see some of the same, hey, why are you qualifying ninth or 12th or wherever uh, at times where it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm not saying that won't happen next year. Just saying the amount of times I think will be significantly less so yeah just a little guess there could be wrong uh lance snyder our minister of mirth how you doing lance says hashtag me personally the biggest disappointment of 2020 was the lack of led panels and no work put in by indycar to make them work everyone knows leds are the way of the future and indycar is missing the boat by not employing this critical informational device again i i threw in a, a workaround for this where the led panels once went either etch a sketch or chalkboards where once the pit stop was done uh someone who had timed it would kind of reach over and write down the pit stop time uh with chalk and then let the car go. granted eh, not the most efficient adds probably doubles the length of time for the pit stop, and also my rule was only one person could do that, so they'd have to run around the other side of the car. So it was a workaround, bad workaround though, Lance. So yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I mean, LED panels, plastics—they're definitely uh, they're the future. Maybe we can make the entire bodywork out of LED lights. Basically, the new Indy car is one big light bright. For those of you who're old enough to remember that toy, that. Some of us got a Christmas and soon broke. So, yeah, I like the idea of a light, bright car. What about you? Probably not, because it's bad. Our pal James Counter says, worst prediction would be whoever thought Penske ownership would lead to an easy year. Yeah, they kind of got kicked in the nuts a lot, didn't they, James? Uh, the year in general wasn't super kind to RP, would say on average, most years are pretty amazing for Roger and company. So, but still, you have empathy for them. So, uh, yeah, of course, you didn't want them to have a bad time, but probably wasn't the most favorite-ist. Uh, another worst prediction, whoever came up with a calendar in 2019 for the season. Um, There you go. Jeff Crow. How you doing, Jeff? Says, best effort would we'll go to Penske Corporation and IndyCar for their tireless work to even have an IndyCar season. Thanks to you all, all being in caps. And if you want to know how serious Jeff is, three exclamation points, not one, not two, three, and all in caps. So that is uh, a well-spotted, well-deserved nod, Jeff. I am behind you 100%. That message is certainly approved by the Marshall Pro Podcast. Brought to you by... The Marshall Bro Podcast. Uh, He also mentions, and thank you to Marshall for all you do. Well, thanks, man. I mean, this is what I do. So you're welcome. But, you know, what else am I going to do? Andrew Miller says, best news was the aero screen proving its worth in its first season. Worst news was said aero screen making an already meh chassis and aero package worse from a competitive standpoint. Co-worst news was Roger Penske publicly admitting the best and only hope for a third manufacturer is Ferrari, who, as usual, seem to be doing this only for political reasons in the only single-seater category they'll ever truly care about, that being Formula One. Yeah. You know, man, sometimes, Andrew Miller, I uh, i asked myself if I should ask that question. When I asked Roger, is Ferrari the only company you're engaging with to try and make them the third? Or are you actively talking to others to keep multiple options open? And Roger said, nope, just focusing on Ferrari. And take him at his word, but kind of wish I hadn't have asked him that question, Andrew, because uh, in the good old News business, being a reporter guy, you ask the question, you take the answer, and, you know, you present it as it is said. Just say that I thought he was going to say no, you idiot. Of course we're not just talking to one. We are indeed keeping our options open and trying to develop something with two, three, or four manufacturers. Uh, because that's the only thing that made sense to me, but keep in mind, I'm not the interview subject and my opinion doesn't really matter. Uh, so yeah, just part of me though, wishes I hadn't have asked that cause uh, maybe that isn't something that needed to be in print in public. Granted, it's not saying some other reporter wouldn't have asked the same thing and it wouldn't have gotten out, but it did just seem to present a surprisingly narrow focus when I'm not saying I know more, obviously Roger has been doing this longer is far more experience in motor racing, but I've also been doing this for a little while. And I just can't think of the scenario where you say we are not including others um, in this process right now, because if the one you're placing all your focus on says no, you get, some distance down the road and find that you have to start the process all over and potentially you are way behind. So anyways, but that's the decision he said they made and we'll see if anything comes of it. Uh, let's see. Mike Jablow. Hey, Mike, happy holidays MP to you and your family. Well, thank you. My wife, by the way, uh, was playing DJ earlier when we got home. And she's really good at picking songs. So uh, there was even Pantera's "Walk," which uh, she played, which kind of blew me away. It was this was bouncing around on Sirius XM, by the way. But um, just saying, uh, December twenty third evening, before Christmas Eve, uh, Pantera "Walk" and rocking out to that. Wasn't really something I was going to predict, but you know, that's why she's amazing and always keeps me, uh, uh, I'm never bored. Never, ever bored. Uh, you say some of the unexpected for me this season were Simon Pagino starting last and winning at Iowa, Takuma Sato beating Dixon at the Indy 500 and the competitiveness at the Harvest Grand Prix race one, thanks to Roger Penske and his team. Uh, NBC, and the track promoters for saving the 2020 IndyCar season. Mentioned this on our Week in Sports Car show, and this was brought up by uh, another listener in the same topic, Mike, and just want to thank you for your recognition of the track promoters. Boy, uh, Green Savory Race Promotions kicked in the crotch constantly this year. They're responsible for almost 25% of IndyCar season um, and hardship after hardship. Uh, Toronto obviously finally got St. Pete going were able to get mid Ohio going uh, Portland canceled and such. They dealt with a ton, lost a ton of money, other promoters as well, sacrificed a ton. Um, and not just the big names that you can think of a, a track CEO or whatever, just it's a lot of people. Doing a lot of things from security guards to people helping uh, whomever to park to scanning tickets at the races that had fans to those who are doing all of the COVID screening and such. Just a lot of people who (laughs) given great reasons to say, nope, going to stay home and skip being around uh, a crowd, either of fans or just hundreds of people showing up to put on a motor race in the paddock. Those are numbers that in many cases would lead a lot of people to say, thanks, but no thanks. And yet so many people turned up to help make the races happen uh, well below the folks who you might see on TV or might put out the press releases and be quoted and that kind of stuff. So thanks for your mention here, Mike. I'm thinking of the track workers. Uh, I'm thinking of the volunteers, by and large, uh, from the SCCA uh, the good folks waving the flags, sitting on whatever emergency response vehicles, doing all the things necessary to facilitate a race. Down to making sure that there's water at the podium for the drivers to have, and a uh, a wet little towel to uh, clean off their faces and, and refresh themselves. Like there are people who do those things specifically the little niceties, the grace moments that still turned up and did that uh, at a time where they could right, rightfully say, nope, not feeling it. So uh, just a huge thank you to everybody that made this season possible, so many of whom we don't know their names, maybe never will, but we are eternally grateful for them. Uh, Brian Burrell says his favorite race was the Harvest Grand Prix and Gateway because I actually was fortunate to attend with friends and family. He says, uh, best drivers, well, it's a tie. Uh, And look for this a lot over the next 10 to 15 years. That would be between Colton Herta and Pato O'Ward. It says, the worst luck continues with Brian Hunter Ray and the worst thing ever was no fans at Indy. That hurt my heart. Tell you what, Brian realize that not a lot of distance has been put between today and the 8500 but even so just looking back at photos of the start and empty grandstands and whatever else i don't know if that's ever going to sit right with me and i would assume many of you so that's not a complaint or criticism against anyone or any specific thing it's just a it's just an optics thing where you go, wow, yeah, no, that uh, uh, yeah, that, that doesn't jive. At Texas, weird, but, eh, you know, it really didn't stand out as too crazy. Uh, some of the other events, you know, yeah, all right, a little weird, but indie. Just empty. I don't know if that's ever going to be right. Uh, let's see. We're going to go to Robbie Bergren. He Says, Hey, Marshall, first off, Merry Christmas to you and your bride, both of you are in our prayers. Thanks, Robbie. He says, my disappointing driver of the year, Felix Rosenquist. Yes, he won a race, but had fewer podiums despite having seen all the tracks. It says, I never saw the growth that I expected for a second season outside of that Road America win. It says, Simon Pagenaud was close, though. Uh, the way his form waxes and wanes is quite vexing. Now, that's a beautiful sentence right there, Robbie. The way his form waxes and wanes is quite vexing. (sighs) That almost needs to go in a poster with Simon's pretty little face. Uh, I assume his dog would be in there somewhere, too. Uh, It says, best race easily, the Friday Harvest Grand Prix. Uh, The worst news was seeing Oliver Askew getting dropped by Arrow McLaren SP. Yeah, uh, talking about things don't sit right. This is also not venturing into blame. The last time an Indy Lights Champion was one and done. We're talking full season to then more or less nothing. Tristan Vautier, right? Uh, What, I'm trying to remember, was he 2012 Lights Champ? Then did, I think it was 2013 with uh, Sam Schmidt. Uh, And then, yeah, his career was basically over. Had the budget for one year, was able to put that together, and then nothing else. Um, I don't want to delve too deeply into this. Uh, I could just say that as time has gone on, I have learned more to suggest that some of the performance benchmarks the team was looking for from Oliver much sooner than anyone expected might not have been hit. And so everything that went down with his concussion, some of the dumb things said in print, uh, that weren't necessarily from his mouth, but again, attached to him. Um, those things did not help without a doubt. But part of me thinks that the worst thing to happen this year for Oliver was having Pato Award as a teammate. And so that might be a little bit of a different direction to take this conversation. It's not picking at Oliver. It's truly, it's not being critical of him. My guess, and I haven't been able to get anyone at the team to confirm, deny, or just even want to venture into it, but I think Oliver was a question mark coming into the year. I think he was obviously seen and known as being a champion. And so knowing how Pato was a champ and some other high quality drivers were champs or second like Colton recently, um, I think that there was a rightful expectation that he was going to be something special where I think Robbie, this conversation just gets a little bit too complicated for what it should have been is What would the rightful expectation for Oliver Askew to be able to achieve in year one, what should that be? Should that have been? I get the feeling, and it's just a feeling, just hashtag me personally, nothing more, that there might have been higher expectations for him than were necessarily realistic in year one. Pato showing that he was so far along despite his relative lack of IndyCar experience. What was it? Six, seven races uh, spread across, you know, a uh, uh, partial season in 2019. We didn't know what we were going to get from him. We knew that he was going to be good. We knew that we would expect him to come on strong at some point. I don't know how many of us expected him to be right there, more or less right from the start. And so whatever curve I think Oliver might have been graded against normally was drastically altered very quickly. And with Pato all of a sudden delivering lights-out performances and podiums and you know, hovering around the top five all the time, I think all of a sudden a gap between Pato and Oliver. Well, I shouldn't say think. I know that it was exposed, but this to me was not a case of Oliver being bad or missing something. It was, holy cow, his teammate, who's actually younger than him, is actually way farther along and way more capable than we expected. And, huh. So I just wonder if there's a bit of a recalibration of, oh, whoa, well, I mean, okay, we know he's a rookie, we know he's had almost no testing because of all this COVID stuff, we know this, we know a lot of things that tell us, boy, this is a crappy year to be a rookie. Um, But I think Pato being as good as he was led to maybe more scrutiny about all of the things that Oliver was not as a rookie in any other year or with a younger teammate who was not so clearly the breakout star of the year, I just feel like there might've been a harsher gradient applied to expectations for Oliver. And that's the thing that bums me out. Uh, with a second year, I have no doubt he would be doing Pato and Colton-like things. This kid still went from carts to IndyCar in four years. So there's a lot of stuff to fill in. Uh, thinking that he was going to demonstrate all that by summer? Uh, so, that's I'm with you about the worst news. All the sh- all the drama, sparkly objects, shiny objects, distracting stuff towards the end when things started to go wrong. Those were real. Those were definitely things that didn't help the situation. I just wonder if his fate was sealed before that. Um, and I don't know if uh, if we could go back in time. Uh, boy, would have been awesome uh, if there was more people saying this kid's definitely a year 2 year 3 type. Let's not grade too harshly in year 1. Um my overall fear here Robbie to close on this, I don't see how he gets back. Unless he has a sponsor. I don't see how he gets back. And that's that's shitty. Sorry, ear muffs. That's just shitty. Uh, let's see Todd Hutchins. You're going worst, uh, worst of 2020, no racing in the Pacific Northwest. Well, can't disagree with you there. Says the best after several attempts, IndyCar series got cars on the track. Um, also mentioned here, please don't have the drivers do virtual racing again, unless there's an open mic on willpower's headset. Uh, well, yes, unless willpower not only has an open mic, but can mute others and then just rip them to absolute shreds like that's the thing that i want uh need to follow up here and i know it's been asked by a couple people of hey is indycar going to have another iRacing challenge so i sent my pal davy first indycar's communications director or vp of communications or communications vp take the words put them in whatever order you like uh and said hey Maybe you going to what do you think? Huh? Mm-hmm. And uh, he replied saying Indy is considering several options after the new year. Stay tuned. Hold on. Here it is. Exclamation point. So does that mean it's coming? I don't know, but we're going to stay tuned until after the new year. So yeah, at least it wasn't a no for those who want it to be a yes. Uh, okay. There we go. Uh, where are we going next? David Zitterbart. Hey, David, how are you, man? How's How are you and getting tires signed? David's the guy who's getting who has a Cooper Tire, Atlantic Tire, I believe, um, that has been signed by 19,000 people, uh, and I believe he's on to another tire now. So pretty cool. Uh, I'm going to take a sip of my delightful Dragon's Milk Solera again. The worst thing of the season is the same thing every season. And it's the end. It ends far too early with a massive gap to the start of the next year. It's so bad. It makes my cat sick. (laughs) Ah, well, we don't want your cat vomiting, David. So, I mean, if there's not a reason for IndyCar to change uh, the duration of its season, uh, does that mean they are cat haters? It does, right? Strictly and specifically, hashtag IndyCar hates cats. That's a thing we've learned on this episode so far as we head into the holidays. Uh, David says another negative was Zach Veach losing his ride rather abruptly. Uh, I feel like we've gone into this many times, so I don't want to really get it back into it again. The searching for a way to get rid of a guy. Uh, The searching for a way to get rid of a guy, that's just never going to be cool, right? Uh, Hey, we don't think you're performing that well, and we'd just like you to go away. So searching for a way to do that contractually, uh, even though the guy signed a contract, brought a big sponsor, did it all in good faith. Like, obviously, I'm a Zach Veach fan. Have been, no secret. There you go. As a person, I he's just an exemplary human being. Uh, here's the thing that just stood out. What was the rumored deal worth? We The numbers varied 18 to 20 million a year. I think 25 was the highest I heard. I'm sorry. 18 to 25 for three years, uh, possibly as high as 25 over those three years. I don't know what the exact number is. It's a lot of money, though, right? That's at minimum 6000000 $6 ish 7 $7-ish, maybe even more, closer to eight. That's bringing a lot of money to a team. That is money that if it weren't for Zach Veach specifically in the relationship that he formed Probably most of you know that story uh, with Group 1001, Gainbridge, and all that. This guy brought that sponsor. Team didn't have it waiting for him. He brought it. Signed a deal, said we're going to do this for three years. To not honor that? Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's really hard to paint that one in some kind of positive, like, that's just shitty. That that's, we don't hear about a lot of these things in racing friends. Like this used to be the normal deal. This guy screwing over the other guy and stealing this sponsor and screwing this person out of something like that used to be a really common thing. We don't hear about these things very often to have two type scenarios happen in the same year of a guy kind of getting driven out as a rookie and another one getting driven out despite still having a valid contract. Year before, we know what happened with Hinch and Bourdais. I'm just saying, these things weren't really much of a thing for a little while, but they've been cropping back up. So, yeah, I just, man, I hope Zach can find something fun and fulfilling in sports cars because he loves racing, and who doesn't want the guy just to uh, enjoy his life knowing that he is such a warm and bright contributor to our sport? And to fans, right? We win when he's in the field, wherever it might be. So there you go. Uh, David says, the surprise was Chip Ganassi racing. Obviously not the execution or claiming another title, but some performances of uh, Marcus Erickson were rather surprising, especially compared to the likes of Felix, who seemed to have an up and down season. I personally, uh, we got a little party foul there. I will just correct that. I expected much better all around from him. Positives, the next generation of indie cars, uh, Indy stars have arrived with a mixed bag of positive results. The future is here and has depth of talent in a pool. Uh, it's making it an exciting future. I'm with you, David. Uh, I like where you're going there towards the end. We are certainly in the midst of a youthification, and there's still some... Senior players like Hunter Ray and Dixon and a few others um, that are in. But yeah, we're kind of on that cusp where IndyCar is all of a sudden going to be mostly twenty to thirty two years old. So there you go. Uh Jameen Tuttle. Hey jameen Uh says amazing that we even got a season. Says love the doubleheader weekends. Impressed by Connor Daly and the Carlin Carlin Racing number 59 on ovals eh, but not in the 20 uh car with Ed Carpenter Racing impressed by the budding rivalries and potential rivalries among say Pato VK and Herda says Dale Coin is starting to feel a bit like the Coin team of old which is a bad takeaway from 2020 adds hopefully Foyt sees growth in 21 excited for Carlin to be back in Indy lights i enjoy watching the road to indy in person and online, I just I think the church just stands and says Amen to everything there. What you mean? Uh, let's see where are we going next? Joey the Priuses. Hey, you you like made a little video thing celebrating the one thousandth episode of Dinner with Pruitts. So uh, thanks, man. Seriously, that was so funny and cool. Like I don't know. I mean, it just i don't even know how to respond <laughs> i mean i don't you know i'm just truly just a guy doing a thing there's nothing that extraordinary about any of this but the fact that you took the time to do that that's just nuts and of the prude day for making the uh congratulations sound cloud uh song track whatever it is andrew Baca, you're insane uh sorry rambling a little bit more than usual uh joey the priuses you give me a whole list of things so you're already kind of sort of doing next week's show so you might have to do some more uh best race the Indy 200 i racing event most impressive driver you stole my choice ralph boshong anyone remember the ralph boshong thing that almost maybe kind of sort of happened uh, team that overachieved dude you're stealing all my picks top gun racing uh I think we might need a best Top Gun racing category uh, for next week's award show. I don't know if Top Gun racing will win it, though. Um, best news, Paul Tracy is going to race for Dr. Fauci Motorsports in the 2022 Indy 500. Um, can I tell you how many folks texted me and said, man, what are the odds of being hacked twice? <sighs> Remember that thing when some of you have asked multiple times, Hey, it seems like Paul says things that are very objectionable and might get you kicked off TV. Why doesn't that happen? Again, I'm telling you the big boss all down with PT. So, you know, if we're talking about ride or die, he's in good shape. Uh, worst news. dude. It's like, you're just stealing all my ideas. Worst news, Marshall Pruitt podcast hitting 1000 episodes. I really shut it down. Shoulda shut it down, right? You want to talk about jumping the shark? Uh I'm about nine hundred and fifty episodes too late on uh turning off this unpolished turd, wouldn't you say? Uh Jordan Darwin says favorite race. It was the second Elkhart event. Both Iowa's first Harvest Grand Prix and Saint Pete stand out. Wasn't Saint Pete amazing? I mean that was oh, I'm, that's why I'm so looking forward to Long Beach being the season finale next year. Street course, all the insanity that happens. How big of a pileup do we have in the final hairpin? Um, and who bashes their way through the gaggle of stuck cars, missing a nose, hashtag front nose, dragging a front tire, something like that, to try and cross the finish line and get the extra points to win by a half point or something. Uh, I could see that happening. So says drivers who impressed or disappointed. Pato, Colton, and VK. Uh, and then on the disappointed, you mentioned Ed Carpenter and Zach Veach after Texas. Uh, teams at over or underachieved. The over, Rahal and Lanigan, and Errol McLaren SP. The under, Ed Carpenter Racing. Worst news? Worst news? Well, that'd be COVID and no fans at Indy uh dumbest thing said by someone in the sport uh yeah, this is a good one it's we have short memories on this stuff quite often it's great uh, I it says chevy and honda are equal at the brickyard they were not um uh michael andretti zumping zumping sure that's a new word folks uh dumping zach veach with three races to go like ron dennis did to him in f1 in 1993 well spotted jordan uh, worst predictions, mine, of course, are never right. Same here. That's why I kind of don't do them. I do them sometimes just for comedic sake, but it's always with a, a pre-acknowledged, yeah, none of this is going to be right. Did I predict, though, that Dixon would win the championship? I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Maybe it was Joseph. I think I picked Joseph. Yeah. Anyways, never listen to me. Uh, Daniel Summerskill who I believe is the fine person who indeed sent me this beer. Uh, Congrats on 1,000 episodes. He says, some thoughts. I'm going to take a sip. Drivers of the season, Scott Dixon for leading the championship the whole way, and Joseph Newgarden for making it go down to the wire. It's funny to see how these two guys, who are so different, in where they were born where they were raised in age teams and team culture right ganassi and penske are as different as they come one's a honda guy one's a chevy guy i mean there's just so many things that are vastly dissimilar about these two title contenders and the teams that they uh, mess with and yet we got to see Dixon uh, just absolutely knock things out of the park and look like there was no way he's going to be reeled in. And that almost never happens. That's pretty much never happened for him championship-wise. Usually he's the guy chasing like mad. Doesn't always catch, but he has plenty of times. And here we have Newgarden, who in his two championships, of course he had challenges. Uh, of course they weren't always easy, but... You know, he uh, he placed a pretty good stake on 2017 and 2019 were going to be his. And now all of a sudden, with a year where there was some ill fortune for sure, uh, what did he have to do? He had to become Dixon and do what Dixon had done so many times and rally back and obviously came up a little bit short. But how many people said, inclusing, inclusing? sure, including Joseph? What if I had one more race? if only i had one more race i feel like i could have gotten uh gotten past the points deficit um just cool i would say daniel knowing all the differences to see that if we're talking truly elite best i mean dixie's the best of his generation have a feeling we're going to be looking back at joseph and saying the same thing about him uh, obviously pato and colton and such they're what 10 years plus younger uh kind of a you know different generation but I think Newgarden is going to stand out as the best of his era uh, or mid-era or whatever the hell we should call it. Just amazing to see that Newgarden is able to become Dixie. Dixie's known for being the most malleable driver. Whatever you need me to do, whatever you need me to be, I can be that. Or if I don't have those skills, I can pick them up and use them to beat you. Pretty awesome to see Joseph being able to replicate Dixie. And almost beat him at his own game. This is this is pretty heady stuff. So I hope uh, I'm sure plenty of you saw that, spotted it, and tracked it. Um, but if you didn't, you might go go and look back at how some of the uh, second half of the season played out. And wow, so big props to New Garden there. Uh, you say, Daniel, your disappointment of the season to Kumasato. Other than winning the Indy 500 uh, and then finishing second at Gateway one, he was Mr. Invisible. Um yeah, uh that's my pick and he was my pick most of the year there. Uh but again, that's going to be a formal category for next week. Um race of the season, I think just about everybody is is going to say the same. Harvest Grand Prix one, great race totally against expectations. Worst race, Gateway 2, pretty dull. But better than the Abu Dhabi F1 Grand Prix. Yeah. Um yeah, uh I think I watched the start of Abu Dhabi and then at least on our remote, maybe like yours at home, I don't know. But uh, there's the fast forward button that doesn't go left or right. It's an up button. And uh, what I think it does 10 minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes forward. I was smacking that thing constantly, brother, till basically watched the start. And I think two laps after that. And then it was pretty much, hey, look, there's the checkered flag because it sucked. Uh, mistake of the season. You say, Zach Veach, rock climbing photos, and ask you. uh, That AP interview probably cost him his IndyCar career. Already covered that off a little bit there. Yeah, the Veach thing, just trying to offer a little bit of clarity. Uh, I didn't necessarily remember it at the time, but I'm told that in 2017, I remember, keep in mind that ABC uh, ESPN was still part of the coverage plan back then. I don't remember if it was ABC, ESPN or NBC, NBC, SN, but there was some form of rock climbing little video special, a uh, little, you know, however long it was, uh, but little short uh, thing about Zach and his rock climbing love. Um, and photos have been posted. I remember seeing rock climbing photos of him during the 2019 off season. Um, just reinforcing the point that Yeah, if there was a true problem with that, um, those were seen and well-known long beforehand. When it became a convenient way to get out of a contract, that's when they became a problem. So I don't know if I'd put that on Zach Feach. Uh, highlight of the year, listening and getting involved with this podcast. Oh, As it has enabled me to understand the sport better and therefore uh, watched almost all the races. And he closes by saying, car entry name of the year, the Husky Chocolate Chip Ganassi Racing <laughs> Honda. Yeah, I never picked up the chocolate chip part. See, it. So I love you guys. Uh, thanks to you, Daniel, and the rest of the crew day for being awesome. My pal, Ralph Hibbert. By the way, Ralph, got to get those shirts off to you, by the way. So sorry, dude. Uh, but they will be coming. Uh, says, both races at Road America were awesome. It says, being able to spread out and attend back-to-back races... As a fan was a gift. He says, daily, VK and Pato impressed me, but in the end, it was a veteran shootout with Dixon and Newgarden. Santino seemed to regress this year, hopes he comes back. That's an interesting comment about Santino, Ralph, and I got to admit, I I don't know if I'd necessarily agree. Uh, The one thing that Santino did this year that I did not uh, catch during his full rookie season i know that he did what couple races in 2018 but yeah as a rookie in 2019 he was as we know a rock star on the ovals uh wasn't sure if that was going to be the main place where he showed real quality and skill and he did more of that this year was very good on the ovals but it was the road courses where i know his finishing record did not always align with Uh, His drive, the quality of the drive, keep in mind, I think uh, up until they made some changes, his entry was the clear worst on pit lane. Like (laughs) that guy lost like more than a, a grid full of cars worth of positions over, you know, if you add all the spots that he had made up before going into the first pit stop. Uh, and then now granted this could be oval or road course. It seemed like ovals a lot of times, but if he made up 10 spots or five spots, he'd go out missing eight. Um, it all was seemingly always leading to a negative. So if you add up all the positions lost, it has to be more than a full grid's worth of cars. So what did he finish like 13th or so in the standing, something like that. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not. Not saying the guy was going to be kicking Graham Rahal's behind or some other people's behind in the top 10, but he had a better year, as I observed, than his finishing results often demonstrated. So, But again, maybe uh, there's some things I've missed that you've spotted where he regressed. So uh, as for hoping he comes back, Going our pal Jerry Roberts said says my favorite race Texas it says I typically don't like the racing there uh, but that race was the first formal first normal moment I'd experienced in almost three months and it gave me a few hours to get away from the worries of 2020 man Jerry that's uh I, I love I love your view on that and that's maybe one of the the great uniting aspects about motor racing isn't it you know, whatever it is, life might be kicking my butt or our butts or whatever. And boy, the ability to turn on the proverbial television, or I know that this wasn't the case in Texas, but sit in a grandstands or whatever it might be, however we can plug in, kind of tune out the rest of the world. Um, Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think there are a lot of things that emerged this year that made escapism... Not as easy as it often has been in racing, Uh, but I'll tell you, uh, I know that racing provided a, a nice mental getaway, if not physical getaway, for plenty of people to a higher degree than maybe it ever has. And so maybe somewhere in there, Jerry, and everyone else, maybe that has just led to a greater appreciation for this sport that we love and what it can do. Right, it's awesome to just turn on a race and cheer for whomever you like, or root against the one you don't. Maybe it's a little bit of a disposable thing. Um, I think this year it felt like these races had some extra importance because it brought that normalcy and that sense of community to us uh, in times where. It was genuinely needed, not kind of a throw. Oh, yeah, I'll I'll watch watch that for a little bit. That'll be cool. It's kind of a regular routine, and it's just, you know, whatever. I think it was more, uh, hey, let's come together. And even if it's just a a coming together of one and you get to to tune out the world, I I think racing definitely was uh, something that meant more, carried more weight and value uh, than it has maybe ever uh let's see you also mentioned most impressive driver alex polo hey look at that that's a that's a great spot jerry says, i don't know what to expect but he performed exceptionally well for a rookie i cannot wait to see him in a ganassi car he says yeah i'm not gonna worry about negatives uh, surrounding the season i saw race cars in action in a year of gloom and disaster that made life more bearable jerry I don't say this enough, but I appreciate you, and uh, even though it wasn't long enough when we got a chance to talk at Mid-Ohio during, what was it, was it 2018 maybe? One of our live podcasts. It's just cool, man, to be able to uh, to say hello and uh, fellowship for a little bit, and although it seems like a bit of a crazy concept right now because we can't get close to each other and we can't do anything and every other every person's a threat kind of thing, like, I can't wait to when we can do it and don't have to worry about it. So, uh, Bill Gray, how you doing, Bill? Uh, congrats on a thousand episodes. It says mid Ohio race. One was the highlight of the year for me. It says Firestone brought two great tires and the battles from second to 12th were entertaining the whole race. It says, can we expect Shank racing to turn their road and street course pace into results next year? Gotta believe. So Bill, um, Boy, Elio coming in. Uh, this is an organization that has only added quality people. Though we might argue about my dear old friend, and you knew this was coming, Swanee. Uh, my dear old friend, Matt Swan. Yeah, that might be the only negative. But uh, kidding aside, you've got a 20-year Ganassi veteran in Swanee coming there who only knows how to do things the right way Brings a great personality and camaraderie with him. Uh, from Adam Rovazzini, who's uh, another ex-Ganassi guy who's been there for years, but he's such a high-quality guy. Run down the list. From all the people at uh, Michael Shank Racing before it became a M- uh, Meyer Shank Racing, they were already loaded with great people, right? So it's not like, oh, well, they got some Ganassi people and now they're better. They were already extremely good. What they've done is just add talent upon talent. What I love about the inclusion of Elio is this is a guy who realizes and knows. That's kind of the same thing. Um, This is not a situation where he can just show up Thursday at St. Pete, assuming St. Pete happens as scheduled as the first race. This is a guy who knows he can't just show up like normal on the normal day that all the other drivers show up at whatever test, whatever race, and say hi and great and you name it and sit in on on the engineering meeting and do the track walk and just kind of perfunctory robotic type thing. Something he could do at Penske, right? Well-old machine, plugged in, it just knows how everything works. It's all done for him in terms of everything being at the highest level. He's just got to drive. It's not what he's stepping into at Marshank Racing. This is a team that is growing and evolving. And for him to have the best possible car to drive, he has to invest himself, I would say, more than possibly ever before. I mean, again, maybe back at Hogan, uh, maybe at Bettenhausen as a rookie, you know, in his early years at Penske. I'm not saying that he intentionally just tapered off and sucked while at Penske for a 1,000 years. But I am saying that there does come a point where you become so familiar with your surroundings and the quality is already so high. Just got to drive the car, man. You know, (laughs) got to smile for the photos and and make sure your hair is right and clothes are crisp. But other than that, uh, you have the best in the business uh, effectively producing the entire show for you. What I love about this possibility for Elio in these six races with MSR, Bill, he is going to have to be hyper-committed, on the phone all the time, Zooming, uh, Microsoft teaming, whatever. This is someone who's going to need to say, all right, I got to download decades' worth of all the things that I know are the best ways, the best thoughts, the best possibilities. Hey, you guys do this thing this way. Cool, awesome. Ever thought about doing that way? Uh, If he just shows up and takes what he's given, team doesn't get better. He doesn't get the most out of himself. This is a team where beyond what he can do behind the steering wheel, this is a team that is trying to get up to the top and he will have more success if he sees himself as kind of a driver professor someone who's going to deliver lessons and think pieces and get his hands a little bit dirty in trying to grow the overall education of the team, it all pays right back to him. So that's why I think Jack Harvey, we're going to see the best Jack Harvey we've ever seen, Um, and we have yet to see his best. And I think the following year we should see an even better version. Um, Everything's going in the right direction here. Uh, I just am really excited for what Elio can help uh, add a third turbo to the program maybe. Let's go to our pal Bob Fay as we kind of sort of wind down a little bit. Uh, Bob says, best news of 2020 for myself and the rest of the Sebastian Bourdais fans was that Seb clinched a full-time ride for 2021. Isn't that amazing? Get our French fry back. Of the multitude of reasons or, or scenarios of which why and how 2020 sucked, wasn't able to go to any track. So, yeah, there's that. But um, no hamburger and french fries show because Seb, I mean, granted, we did those that started off in IMSA, actually, with him in the Ford GT program. But really, it's kind of more of an indie car show, got to admit. Um, it wasn't there to do them. I know he showed up the last couple of races, which is awesome, but I just love the idea, Bob, that yes, our boy clinched a full-time ride. Um, You know what should be most most fun is to see if we can get Sebastian to uh, invite AJ to be part of one of the episodes. Um, And maybe I just step out of the way and he takes my mic. And so that would be fun. I would love that. And then maybe they could just roast me the whole time. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, Our pal Lawrence Cunningham. Hey, Lawrence, man. Love you, guy. He says, best part of 2020 is that there were, we even had races. How many of you have said that, right? I, I just love the appreciation that everyone's had visited upon them of, wow, we see all the things that we've lost, and if not us directly, what others have lost, namely Loved ones, um, all the things we've lost, all the people we've loved who were gone. And so many of the things in life that we've had to forfeit, uh, yeah, not a surprise that so many of you, myself included, are just happy. We even had, uh, our beloved racing. It says a great effort for all the new car teams and tracks to make it possible. So Takuma winning the Indy 500 and Dixie winning a sixth, uh, title were my highlights says the emergence of Air McLaren SP as a contender to the big three. That one, too. He also says thanks uh, to you and Racer for the coverage this year. Uh, All the best for a happy holiday to you and Mrs. Pruitt. Thanks again, Lawrence. Thanks again, by the way, for being so generous in the uh, Racing for Cancer uh, fundraiser we did uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, You and, I mean, there are a lot, number of you um, donated, and thank you to all of you. There's a, a... Subset who didn't just donate a little bit more than the $28 minimum. There's some of you who said, hey, we're going to make a real difference here. Um, and all those contributions were done straight to Racing for Cancer. Um, all the transactions done straight with them. And just thank you. Thank you to you, Lawrence, and many of you um, who said, hey, we're, uh, we're going to go big here. Uh, Kevin Perez, Federico. I'm going to take another sip here. Best part of the year was that Roger Penske was at the helm of the series. Uh, or else if not, could have been the death of our beloved sport under the old regime. So his worst part was, uh, there was no long beach as the second most important race and a long tradition that unfortunately has been broken for one year. Hopefully we get a throwback event in September. Uh, he says, which hopefully, Uh, The event can bring back some hope to the city of Long Beach. He says, uh, definitely and desperately needs an uplifting spirit and the uh, financial infusing to help all the small businesses and local restaurants survive. Um, Kindly say thanks to you, Marshall, for the podcast. It's kept me going, um, along with a few others. Uh, He says, gave me a little normalcy despite everything going on uh, and also mentioned I hope you and your wife and the kitties stay safe up north. Maybe we can finally meet in person at Long Beach in September. Kev, I will be rightfully pissed if we don't. Um, that would be, that would, that would suck. Um, just throw this in. So there was a goal for sure to do a live podcast at Long Beach in 2019. Was trying to do a equal IndyCar and IMSA show right two guests or whatever from one series two guests from the other um thought we kind of sort of found a place to do it but then that fell through and ultimately just became the uh, untenable so there's a great desire to still do one and the track has told me the same so i want to do it they want to do it hopefully we can still do it i don't know where we'll do it whether we'll be in the IMSA paddock, or IndyCar paddock or what, but uh, we're going to try. So however that thing comes together, we're going to try and do it. And yeah, uh, if you're not there, Kev, well, uh, I suck. Uh, Ross Porter, I'm going to take a sip of coffee now. The 2020 season was one that really made me appreciate just how lucky we are. Go out to the track and get to see some amazing racing says, it has revitalized my ambition to squeeze in a few more free weekends next year. Oh, that's awesome, man. It really is. It says, as for the best race, clearly. Harvest Grand Prix, round one. Cars sliding all over the place. And drivers doing some serious sawing at the wheel. Here's to a better 2021 for all of us, especially Mr. and Mrs. Pruitt. Thanks, Ross. Seriously, uh, it's been fun to get to know you through this show and beyond but uh it's been fun to get to know you and many of you uh throughout this year and in recent years as well through this little dumb podcast community uh all right let me look at where we're at in the show we're just a little over an hour so i don't want to go too much longer right you all should be thoroughly drunk by now, uh snoring, uh eating too much food, arguing with relatives, you know, the normal holiday stuff. Uh appreciate bond. Hey Hrishi, appreciate you as well. Thanks for joining in on the show this year. It says, what is the stupidest most ridiculous rumor gossip you heard over the course of the season, uh say not inclu- not including the Eurosport Le Mans 24 coverage. Uh, let's hear all the really dumb things that don't ever make it out of your phone or inbox. Uh, Cheers to making it to 1,000 episodes. Thanks for all the content this year. Happy holidays and best wishes to you and Mrs. Pruitt. Huh. All right. Well, here's a note I'm going to try and make for myself, and that is to start writing some of these things down next year, or I guess now in theory because I hear stuff every day, but at least the way that my brain works it's the things that are real I mean I get way crazy o c d immediately, and I don't mean over every little thing over the things where I go, oh, that's come in from a real person, and i we have a relationship or you know they've told me x number of things before and they all turned out to be spot on and um You know, so I need to treat this like it's real and track it and, you know, confirm or deny the stuff where you go, "Uh uh-huh, right, sure, whatever. Uh, Those things usually don't stick around in my head too much just because, you know, I don't know if I hate to admit it. Maybe I'm just admitting what it is. Uh, I've said before, I'm a bit of a service dog. I love to work. I love what I, I truly love what I do. And so there's just kind of a next mission mindset. What's the next thing? What's the next story, the next thing to pursue? Is it a quick thing? Is this thing that I heard this afternoon something I'm going to be able to develop and post tomorrow morning? Or is it going to take a couple days or a week or weeks or whatever? But it's always on to the next thing. And not saying anything that's particularly revelatory here, but it's kind of a racer thing like it's always the what's next where we go next what are we doing what's the next problem it's the next pit stop the next pass the net it's not a lot of time spent in the rearview mirror for things that didn't develop so i mentioned all this um knowing that a lot of these things don't stick in my mind uh i had someone tell me that they and this is imsa that penske was going to be uh doing a thing with cadillac and I didn't have one person actually, it was more than one person, and none of that made sense because I knew where most of their employees in the Acura Team Penske sports car program were going. And one of them to Scott uh, McLaughlin's car, Scotty, by the way, so happy that's something that no one's mentioned yet. So, and I should mention it as what well. I should mention it. I'm a submitter, hey, first time, first time, long time, Marshall Pruitt, uh, Scott McLaughlin coming to IndyCar. It's awesome. That guy, ball of fire. Love him, everything about him. Can't wait to see him get to go racing hardcore. So there's that. Um, but knew where pretty much all the Penske people were going and none of that added up to having a sports car program. Um, plus, yeah, that did just didn't make any sense, but that wasn't a big thing or stupid or whatever else. Uh The thing that maybe got under my skin a little bit because they kept telling me that I was wrong and they were real and this that, and the other, but it just smelled like bullshit the whole time, going back to the top Gun racing award it was top Gun racing um and have since heard that Bill Throckmorton, who I know is real uh. None of the bullshit would have been attributed to him, by the way. So want to make that clear. Nothing negative to say about Bill. I uh, have heard that there might still be something brewing for next year. And I, man, I hope that happens. And I don't know if it's called Top Gun Racing, which just sounds stupid, by the way. I'd rather Throckmorton Motorsports or something. But I, I'd love to see that happen because although I don't know Bill, I and mean, we've had a conversation, we've spoken, but uh, everyone else I've spoken to has said he is just awesome. And I would just love to see this happen for him and he and his wife. So there's that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's anything that truly jumps out right now. And I apologize for that, Rishi. Um, it's just not my working style. So I'm going to try and make a note to make notes when these things come in so I don't forget them. Uh, I will mention, and I won't say give any specifics because it's not the time to do it, but there is one that I'm tracking right now that is, I understand that it is, I don't want to say real yet, meaning it's a done deal, it's happening, uh, money is allocated and cars are happening and such. But there's one thing that I've heard of where I'm like, Wow. If that were to happen, I think that would be a pretty big deal. I'm not talking, you know, Lewis Hamilton's going to be driving a whatever for so-and-so at, you know, whatever IndyCar race, not talking any, you know, Dale Earnhardt's coming out of retirement. I said, F you, Jimmy Johnson, uh, I'm going to kick your ass and he's driving for none of that stuff, but just like, whoa, Really? They're going to do that? I mean, wow. Talk about something I would not have predicted. And if it does happen, it's going to be awesome. So there you go. Uh, where else are we going here? Um, Hunterwood86. I don't know if I've read a question from you before. It says, Marshall, curious if you have any idea on what sort of attendance numbers an event needs to make it viable. Has there ever been any uh, big open-wheel racing event, say, Pacific Raceway in Seattle? Uh, they're in the middle of a big expansion. They would, of course, need to make a huge amount of safety improvements. really is a beautiful track. Um, yeah. Uh, aware of the improvements. Last time I was there, 19... I'm trying to think if it was 89 or 90. Something along those lines. Um Yeah, for kind of an SCCA Pro Racing weekend. Uh, Don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before, but there was one really cool thing that took place. Uh, There was a West Coast Formula Atlantic uh, entrant, uh, Gudrun, G-U-D-R-U-N, I believe. Gudrun Shea, he and his wife. I, I apologize, I'm forgetting his wife's name, but they were a couple from New Zealand. For some reason, I think this is where one or both of the Camerons, uh, Steve Cameron and Ricky Cameron, Ricky being the father of Dane Cameron, IMSA champion, I believe uh, the Shays Atlantic team is what brought the Cameron brothers over from uh, Kiwi land and introduced them to America. I believe that's believe that's right. Anyways. Um, it was a Formula Atlantic race weekend plus sports 2000 uh, race weekend. That's what I was there for. And what was it? They had, as is a fairly popular thing throughout tracks in the country here, Thursday night drags. So the race weekend around Kent, the Kent uh, the Pacific Raceways road course, uh, started Friday, you know, practice and whatever else. Well, they have a drag strip, that is the front straight. And the coolest thing uh, that we saw, and all of us went out to the wall and watched, was uh, the Shays decided to take the wings off of one of their Atlantic cars and enter it during Thursday night (laughs) Brags. It was so fun. I remember who was driving. um, But the only thing they didn't do was change the gearing. So knowing that while there are definitely some slower hairpins or sharp turns at the circuit... Um, I think most of those would have been more second gear than first. So unfortunately, first gear was a little bit tall. And so I just remember them trying over and over and over again to get the thing off the line in a meaningful way. Also keep in mind that, uh, I don't remember if they were putting any water down or whatever, but those wide slick tires were certainly, um, not spinning up too easily. So long story short though. Uh, yeah, that was fun watching someone trying to, uh, just the day before practice started, uh, go and just do some fun drag racing with a former Atlantic car. Ralt RT4, 1.6 liter Cosworth BDA. How much fun was that? Um, I have no idea on what sort of attendance numbers an event needs to make it viable simply because every track tends to have a different price point, negotiation to have. So, A, I don't know who the promoter would be if it was the track itself uh, trying to court and host IndyCar. I don't know what IndyCar would charge in terms of a sanction fee, but it's those kinds of things. What is it going to cost the track to attract a major series and therefore how many things do they need to sell in order to make a profit And so that's not just tickets, but it's also concession. It's hospitality. uh, It's all kinds of things. So it's a hard thing to answer without knowing what it would cost them to hold a race. But I can tell you, if we were to have a super West Coast swing of Pacific Raceways in Seattle, swooping down to Oregon, uh, Portland, then to Laguna, into Long Beach, this West Coast boy would be mighty happy. Uh, all right. Uh, the Wawa from Reddit. The Wawa24. Hey, Marshall, first time questioner here. Wawa! Thanks, man or woman. Um, I always love it when we have folks who write in for the first time with a potential for increased grid sizes where there will be an will there be an increase in pit stalls at some of the street circuits like Long Beach and Toronto if so how many pit stalls can they expand to uh i think long beach is not so much of a concern um I think we're going to be okay there it's more the toronto and i don't have the answer i just know that when i last spoke with jay fry about this they were having to come up with alternate plans. I know that he asked for some alternate plans on how might we fit more cars, come up with a way where we do it, how we do it. So I think Toronto is going to be more of that. I don't know what the pit layout's going to be in Nashville. So that'll be interesting to watch. But they will obviously know uh, for the first time or for their first race, IndyCar is going to give them probably a pretty stout number of plan for 28. Not that we expect twenty eight, but uh if you do that we should be more than covered. Uh easy D twelve fifteen ninety five, which if that's your birthday, happy belated birthday. I was wondering when sequential transmissions were introduced to CART. I know that some teens had them in ninety four, but I'd like to know when the transition started. I think that's about right. Uh if I had my IndyCar season annuals with me instead of in storage, I'd be able to answer that exactly instead of on half-assed memory. So I apologize. I think I'm kind of sort of failing you here. Last couple. Let's see. Uh, Elite Fleet or Elite Flight. Uh, hello, Marshall. Hope you and your wife are doing well. We are. It says, yesterday I was listening to your weekend Sports Cars podcast due to the fantastic news in LMDH and it got me to thinking about something. As you already know, LMDH allows teams to pick either uh one of four chassis manufacturers. It says, "What is it that allows sports car racing to have multiple chassis manufacturers but not IndyCar in their next generation chassis?" Well, it's a bit of a simple answer. Decision is is what allows one to have one or not the other. IMSA uh, and their partners at the ACO decided to allow, well, let me rephrase that, decided to limit the number of chassis suppliers in what we have today in DPI. LMDH is just DPI 2.0. It's just exactly what we have today, but with hybridization, and they'll build new cars, we think, uh, but it's just, yeah, it's not really much different than what we already have. Um, but, yeah, they did the thing where they actually said, well, we're only going to allow four people to supply, which I'm not a real fan of, but that's what they did. And so that's what we have. Uh, IndyCar says, hey, our decision is we're going with one, period. And there you go. So the the allows part is they are both sovereign series. They're not betrothed to anyone else, and they make their own decisions, and they decided what they decided. Four on one side and one on the other. Uh, Ethan, too good for you, 78, with the number four in the letter U. There you go. Hey, Marshall, with the impending fire sale of acreage and rebuilding of Auto Club Speedway, do you ever see car getting to run the new short track? Maybe a better question is, will that project even happen, or is that track done? I believe I read they were putting that off for a year. Uh, could IndyCar, of course, it's kind of the same standard answer. If someone at Auto Club Speedway has the money or has a sponsor to attract IndyCar to come and race there, I'm absolutely positive it'll be considered. But knowing that IndyCar is a business, they don't just, they wouldn't just show up at the track and run for fun, uh, because someone asked them. So, Business reason is there, they will be there. Uh, where else are we going to go here? Uh, Steve Grinstead, you mentioned uh, one of the best things of the year was Colton Herta dodging the sophomore slump and being the lead car in the Andretti stable. Yeah, that was pretty cool, too. Uh, Cody DW12, you mentioned Colton Herta was uh, the most impressive. Vincent Anderson, um, you mentioned iRacing on NBCSN. Missed opportunity was not allowing more drivers in the Virtual 500. Um, You said uh, dumbest move was the Santonio in Pagano crashes. I think you mean Santino, but Santonio is pretty awesome. Uh, Santonio, Holmes, Ferrucci. Yes, for sure. Uh, Maybe Jimmy Johnson racing in the IndyCar iRacing uh, that made his IndyCar announcement not a surprise. Uh, Mixed move was having tracks off the schedule. Great to see, but discussed that IndyCar wasn't racing those tracks. Um, Okay. Uh, Let's see. You mentioned, hey, hope you and your bride have a great Christmas and happy new year. You as well. To you and the mighty fine Anderson family. Uh, What am I going to close with here? Jeremiah Morrell. um, Let's see. Mention a lot of good things here. Uh, You mentioned the thing I've echoed. Enjoy the podcast and the community is built. Looking forward to more races in person. Hopefully, you're going to get to Nashville, mid-Ohio, and some races in Indy. As you should. You live in Indiana, you nut. Uh, We're going to close with this, just because, I don't know, uh, it's unique. Indyfan21 from Reddit. Marshall, as a journalist, when you get a, quote, big scoop, such as learning that a certain driver signed with a new team, but it hasn't been announced by the driver or the team yet, how do you, A, know the information you heard is true, and B, how do you know whether or not you can write a story about it before it's made official? It's something I've always wondered about. It's a great question. Um, so let's go with part one and in your specific scenario here. Uh, how do I know that the information I heard is true? Well, that's where I have my phone, no joke, sitting in front of me, uh, it sits on a little stand, a little vertical stand. Doesn't? It's not laying down or off to the side. Uh, it's sitting right in front of me, and it is always plugged in, and it is more or less always charging. And it makes it really easy for me to communicate with people. Having it right in front of me, sitting there, I don't have to have it in my hands all the time. I can type. Uh, I can ask questions and think and tab through different pages on the good old interwebs. I can ask, uh, I gotta say it quiet, sorry. Can ask the uh, assistant on the phone to do things. Hey, uh, send a text to so and so and tell him this, that, and the other, or ask this question or whatever. Um, it all comes down to talking to people. On rare occasions do I get an email. Uh, sometimes I'll get a text, but usually it's just conversational. Uh, phone lights up and so and so is on it. And uh, depending on whose name pops up, I might have a pretty, pretty good idea of the conversation we're about to have. And even if I don't know the subject, I'll know that, oh, if that person's calling, they're probably talking about IndyCar and news and something they've learned that I probably haven't. Um, and so it's just conversations. The, the bar for standard reporting is two sources. So that's a good thing to know. Um, so normally when you have someone tell you something, uh, that's usually not good enough. (laughs) It's just not, it's not good enough to go to print with that because what if that person is wrong? Well, you've just made an ass out of yourself. So minimum two points of confirmation. Uh, I'd like to go for more. (laughs) There are times where I truly, I'll just keep going and going and going because I want, if it's big enough, I'm going to want to make sure that it's not so much a cover your ass type thing it's ah you know if i'm telling you that hey team x has just signed uh, a new refueler hey it's not as if that isn't something you want to get right if by chance there's any little thing that's off about it you never want to be wrong but you have to also grade the news and go all right if that one ends up being a little bit off not happy, but not the end of the world. Hey, Team X is going to fire a driver, or in this case, hire a driver? Uh, You're going to want to cover that off with three, four, five points of confirmation. And so the quality of the people that you're asking, that's really what it comes down to. If it's the, I know a guy whose cousin is the brother of the assistant of the dog walker of the dude that... Changes tires on the team that's across the street from the team we're talking about. Meh, probably not going to go with that. But you know, there's another aspect to this too, and it's we're in a pretty small little community here. Indy fan 21, right? Indy car, not a lot of people, not a lot of teams. It's you know, it's a little more homey than big industrial series. Um, it's not so hard to confirm things more often than not still there's always folks who you know I can name some team owners and also name some drivers too where if they know think you know or they are just experienced enough to know that oh hey uh I know that I'm about to sign a new contract therefore This is probably going to get out and get around. Some other folks might as well. I'm going to be on the defensive, and, yep, you can call me, you can text, you can do whatever you want, not answering, not acknowledging. I'm intentionally shutting you and everyone else out because I know I'm in that time period where I need to do that. That's not an uncommon thing. So what do you do in this case where you mention the driver? Well, you'll ask the team, you'll ask the PR rep, you'll ask the team owner, the team manager, the whomever, you'll reach out and do that. Sometimes it's just strictly a ticking the box. Hi, I know you won't tell me a thing, but I still need to call and ask the question. Uh, Because A, I need to, but B, I also need you to know, this is my way of informing you and alerting you that this is something I'm actively tracking and doing. So there's, if possible, no surprises. It doesn't always work out that way. Every situation doesn't necessarily afford that outcome, but you try and do that as much as you can. Um, but usually finding out the information is true, it's not a problem. Um, the thing that I mentioned just a little while ago of the, oh, tracking this and If that turns out to be accurate, then wow. Um, I would want one more point of confirmation with that, but I've done a significant amount of legwork on it already and have lined up the fact that, you know, if you put me through a lie detector and said, Marshall Pruitt, do you believe this thing that you know about is going to happen and is accurate? I would say yes. And that would come through with flying colors as being accurate on the good old lie detector test. So I don't really have any questions about it being real and about it happening, but I still want to get at least one more person to say, yes, didn't hear from me. We never spoke. You do not even know me next time I see you. I'm actually going to shout at you and call you names just so people think I hate you and will never talk to you. Um, that's actually happened by the way. Um, no real question though as to whether this thing is looking real though uh, so that that part's that the second part is really the most interesting part I don't know if any of you give a crap about any of this but it's a little bit of inside baseball and maybe it's a fun way to close the show uh, the second part is how do you know whether or not you can write a story about it before it's being been made official well that's a, that's the most complex part indie fan 21 I don't work for any IndyCar team. Don't work for the series. Uh, My client pays me to be a reporter, to create original content as much as possible, and to break stories, you know, hey, here's this big thing that's happening. Uh, That's why I am paid to do what I do. That's why Robin's paid to do what he does and so on if all that I can do is wait for press releases to land in my inbox and regurgitate them, that's, you know, that happens every week, couple times. It's, you know, that's, that's not abnormal, but when it comes to the big stories, in theory, those are the things that myself and some others that do this for a living, are supposed to be on top of those things and it is competitive. And so that means when I, learn about Fernando Alonso coming to do the Indy 500 in 2017 and rope in the racer team at Long Beach to take this forward. Uh, we did absolutely reach out to the team. And in this instance, there was a little bit of back and forth and okay, uh, we're going to do some things for you. We'll do some things for you. And Now, instead of us just breaking a story and winning the news day, but folks forgetting about it two or three days later, you know, not many keep track of who was first. No one really cares, uh, except for those making the news. Uh, You know, we keep score internally, but no one else really cares. And here's the other thing too: Uh, normally, someone else, if they are beaten to the story, will have their own version of that story up within a short amount of time where it might be read for the first time by someone else who might have no idea that you broke it. So again, none of this stuff matters to most of the world, but at least to us uh, on the inside. Yeah. Very competitive. So that's where the official part comes in. Um, I don't work for any of the teams. They don't work for me. Um, On rare occasion, the teams say, Hey, we're announcing something significant tomorrow. And, if you're interested in taking part in an embargo, we'll share it with you in advance. But if you do, no talking about it, no tweeting about it, no hinting about it. Truly, you've agreed to be radio silent until it comes out. Except for those scenarios, uh, it's pretty much open open game. So the only modifier to that, the only caveat is business or relationships. And, you know, there are times where, or I shouldn't say time, uh, there are times when I will call Robin or email Robin and say, hey, I know this team's a little grumpy at me because I've broken a number of stories lately about whatever. And, you know, even if they haven't said it to me directly, I just know them. And I know that they're going to be like, frickin' Pruitt, we're going to kill you when we see you. Uh, so could you do this? Could you take this story and, you know, I'm telling you that it's real, but I know you're going to want to call whomever and, you know, do your own legwork on it. But can I pass this one off to you? Um, Robin does the same thing. Uh, Hey, uh, I know you've been on this or you told me about it for the first time and I just heard something and, you know, from someone in my world says, Hey, it's real. It's happening. Um, but you were kind of on that ground first. So I'm passing this one to you. Um, Cool. Uh, Sometimes there's business, right? When I worked at Speed, Speed's big partner, biggest financial everything was NASCAR. Want to guess which media outlet, both television and digital, never said a thing that was critical about NASCAR? Well, that would have been us. It was an openly acknowledged gag order. Sorry, uh, you might hate them for whatever reason. You might think this is the worst, that's the worst. You might want to rip whatever to shreds. Um, Absolutely not allowed. Uh, You can try, but you're going to get fired. So don't try. Just leave it alone. Sometimes there are considerations. Sometimes there are business relationships where you'd love to go first and break that story. But for some sort of business reason, you can't. Sometimes you're told, hey, close to a deal with so-and-so, and it could mean the survival of the company. And I'm speaking in generalisms. It could mean the survival of the company. It could mean all kinds of positive things. Now would really not be the time to drop some sort of news bombshell because you learned that whomever's doing this thing and it, Again, you're going to win the news cycle, but also potentially put yourself out of work kind of deal. You know, those things get said, get shared. And it's, you know, it's the old don't poop where you eat routine. Hey, of course, in a straight news world where advertising money is flush and integrity is all that matters. And you are, it's a separation of church and state. That's the dream world. Write anything, say anything, no fears of repercussions, no fears of burning the house down. Uh, Just go, go, go. I can just share that to close here with Racer, we are super, super fortunate to have Racer founder and owner Paul Fanner, who is always journalist first. Look, if it's real and you know it and you've done your homework, and I know you have, whomever, me, any of the other reporters, um, do your job. Do it, you know, and if there's blowback, well, we'll manage it. Make sure you get it right. Don't don't open yourself up to whatever, but make sure you get it right. And if you got it right, go with it. And if Team X, Advertiser Z, or whomever calls and gets mad, well, we'll have that conversation with them. But we're here for the audience first, for the readers, for the fans, and we cannot jeopardize that so that's pretty cool uh so when it comes back to your final question how do you know whether you can cans the oper- uh, operative word here there's no real can um as an independent outlet uh it's our job to create compelling content that is news-based opinion-based uh, analysis-based whatever it is but when it comes to the straight-up news side, uh, go get it. And you know sometimes it places extreme stress on relationships. Sometimes people say, nope, not taking your call. Nope, not making this driver available. Nope, this isn't happening to you because we're mad about whatever it is that you did. And I can understand why they might be mad. I also try and explain, like, hey... <laughs> Until we come up with a day where I get paid and we all get paid to just wait for your press releases to land and then write all write basically the same story burping up what was in the press release until we get to that day, probably need to respect how media works if you really do believe in a free and independent press because you can't kind of halfway believe you're either all in or all out. And I know that's not always going to make you happy, but you, just as we respect some of the things that you do that we don't fully understand, uh, or might make us our eyes cross, going "What the hell?" Um, you yeah. know, have that same understanding here, please. So maybe that's a little bit of a uh, roundabout answer to a lot of different things, and hopefully, indie fan, uh, that thing you've always been wondered about, wondering about, has just been answered. All right, friends, this is it. Send in your award subjects, topics, and I'm going to include those when the call for questions go out next Monday. Please have yourself happy Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you do to celebrate, uh, whatever you do to take some downtime here during these holidays, please, please, please enjoy yourself. I am going to do the same because when I hit the stop button here, and then post this little episode i am more or less done working for a good long while and i'm going to recharge batteries of my own thanks to you thanks to cooper tires and the justice brothers torontomotorsports.com bell racing helmets usa i'm marshall pruitt this is a little dumb thing we do each week thank you for showing up